0: Here we go. Okay, we've got your Bibles. Open your Bibles to uh, Psalm 23. It's a psalm that we all know we hear it at funerals all the time. You know, it's awesome to just go back. It's awesome to see Renee and Johnny in the house again. Uh, come and give them a round of applause, you know. Uh, from a couple who, obviously, if you don't know their story, they walked in here uh, a few years ago. Um, Obviously came to Christ, started their journey with Jesus, and got married, had babies, and then felt the call to go back to Palmy, where they serve on a great church, Legacy Church. Um, We're friends with their pastors there, Uh, and they're doing so well, man. You guys, you know, when 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 you see the fruit looking so good, we're just so grateful to God. So let's honor them and celebrate them today. Can we give them a round of applause again? Oh, you can do better than that. Give them a round of applause. Come on. Amazing. Today I'm a chef. No, actually I'm not. I'm just a buyer. I just bought this stuff. So in terms of Psalm 23, who's there? Uh, Before we get there, before we read it, there's a story I just want to talk to you about. And that story is a war story. Who likes war stories? Who's seen that new movie? 19, what is 1917? I heard it's really good. What, 1912? 2020? I don't know. Some, <laughs> I heard it's really good. Uh, but the story, there's a story that goes to this. In World War II, there was this medic who was, his first job was to, be, to serve in the sick bay of World War II, in one of the sick bays there. So imagine that being your first job. In the job, he was put as an assistant to one of the veteran medics or doctors. As he was serving beside him, um, there would be, obviously, injuries that come in. People would get hurt, shot, um, shrapnel would be in people's legs, arms, and all that stuff. They would come in, lie down, and they would do the procedures they needed to do. Being a first-time medic, there were some procedures that he didn't know of. And so he would go from theory in terms of how to deal with the different... Medical needs pretty if you, if you learn something, you want to apply it eh so this one particular war veteran came in a soldier came in. he had just been in a uh, a war zone. he had shrapnel stuck in his whole leg, right leg as he was laid down on the table. they removed the majority of the shrapnel in the, from his leg, and what they what the medic what assistant medic was doing was actually as soon as they took it out, he would put the uh, Yes, that's the English word in uh, bandage. We put the bandage around it and wrap it up. And as you're wrapping up, you know, he would assist the, the doctor by wrapping up as he would take out shrapnel, you know, wrap it up. The thing was this. A few years later, this soldier goes back into hospital to get his leg amputated. The reason why he had to get his leg amputated And the crazy thing was this in the story is that the person that had to amputate the leg was the assistant doctor who was happy on that day. Crazy, eh? I was reading the story thinking, man, this can't be real. So they had to amputate the leg. The reason why is because there was a small piece of shrapnel that was so far in that they didn't take out. So obviously they are trained to go in, take everything out, but they missed one small piece. And they say it was um, as small as a fingernail. smaller than a fingernail. So that small piece infected the whole leg. And then years later, obviously the soldier had to go back into hospital and get his leg amputated because of that small bit of shrapnel stuck in the leg. Crazy, eh? The reason why I share that story is that as Christians or those who have come to Christ and those who are still walking this wonderful journey, there's some shrapnel in our lives that haven't been dealt with in the battlefields of life, in the past that we haven't dealt with. And we're wrapping things up along on this journey. But the thing is that in this illustration and analogy, the story, if we don't deal with the small things, it can take you out later down in life. Hello? So you need to deal with the small things and not bandaged over them. Not trying to put a Band-Aid over it, but you have to deal with those things in the past to actually get freedom in the future. But the thing is that you walk through life thinking, okay, I imagine the soldier walking around thinking, yeah, everything's good. A few cuts and scars and bruises. Now a war veteran going back. But to have this, have this thought of he got to take his whole leg off because it was so infected by this one piece of small shrapnel would have been so traumatic for him to actually think of. But sometimes in our lives, we can be like that with Christ. We carry the burden of life and we carry the burden of our past with us and those things are not dealt with and what happens is that everyone else has to deal with. <laughs> the thing is that you are a product of where you came from, amen? And if you're not dealing with some of the issues, because in church life, we can, we can make it all spiritual. Hello? And that we can be religious. It's all good. you are got to make it. And we can sing lovely songs. I mean, Johnny, man, awesome this one. Man, amazing worship this morning. I was crying, man.
1: <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Dude,
0: I don't like you anymore, Johnny. I just love it when we sing about Jesus. But the thing is that dealing with those past issues are important because we can spiritualize it. We can think about it. We go, oh, God will deal with it. But actually, God gives us a responsibility There's the sovereignty of God, and there's the human responsibility that we need to act on change. Hello? Because God's probably going, with us, when we're changing our lives. We're going, God, change me. God, change me. And God's probably looking at us going,
1: how about if you change yourself?
0: I've given you all the resources to change. Change! Hurry up, man! So, let's go to Psalm 23. And we're going to focus on one part, and then we're going to just bring it out, and we're going to just have a look at how this applies to us. Who's looking at this nice food in front of me? Yep, a few of you can see it, a few of you can't. It's all right, we'll get to it soon. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I was going to sing some coolio there. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You repair a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Pretty cool, man. Eh? Who's heard that at funerals? It's a, it's a psalm that a lot of people use at funerals because it's quite a comforting psalm. But this psalm is not for death. The psalm is for life. It's not, a, it's not a death psalm. It's a life-giving psalm. It should encourage us that the Lord leads us that he's guiding us. And when we look at the scripture that I want to focus on today is uh, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I'm going to use my, my friend, Henry. Henry. Henry came in this morning disappointed by the world. And he's wearing his disappointment on his, on his um, back. At the poor guy, he's, he's going through some struggles with this team that I don't know of, I don't speak of. But have a seat, Mr. Chief. Now, the th- crazy thing about Henry is that Henry is an amazing human being. Who knows? Hands up. He is an amazing human being. Like, this guy will just love you no matter who you are. He'll cross the road for you. He would come around and fix your, your, your plumbing or whatever. But he doesn't do that anymore because he's got to focus. Hey, Henry. Oh, yeah, you, do, you still do it. Can you <laughs> but he But he would actually do anything for anyone. That's his heart. He's such a compassionate guy. When I look at Henry, I think, Compassion. Does it look like Henry always wants to cry when you look at him? Because <laughs> he wants to cry with you. But the thing is that behind Henry there's a story. Hands up if you've got a story. It's amazing because you only see the, the front facade. You see the smiley guy. You see the guy that just loves you. Just wants to hug you, we'll cross the road for you, come around and fix your plumbing. But there's a, there's a history to this guy, a history that God has helped him come through. Amen? And if you're saying to yourself, well, oh, that's great, good on Henry. Guess what? You've got a history too. And a history that you hope won't come out. But today, I want to pray that God will bring it out because if it stays in the dark, it's not going to be dealt with. So bring it into the light so it can be dealt with. There's some generational things I want to tackle today. They have to be dealt with. And there's some things that you do that you thought, Looks like what your father or your mother does, and you thought, I'll never be like you, but you act like them. Let's be honest. And then your your wife or your your wife or your husband looks at you and goes, You act like your mom. No, I don't <laughs> okay. I know some of you are laughing now because I know it's happening in your in your backyard. But there's some things in our lives that we have to deal with head on. Because if we don't, guess what? The generations after us will have to deal with it. But it, You know what stops with us in this generation where you're sitting right now? The things that you was out of your control from your past that have actually brought traumatic events into your family. You got to say no more. It's like that scene in Lord of the Rings: "Thou shall not pass." You know that scene? There's some of you thinking I haven't seen that scene. Where was that one? But the thing is that it's a whole attitude and authority to say. This far and no more. Yeah. And we need to take ground on this because what happens is that you wonder why your kids act the way they're acting. Oh, ad- attitude. Where did the attitude go? It came from you. <laughs> why are they speaking to me like that?
1: Because I've seen you
0: speak like that. Why are they rebelling?
1: Because you rebel.
0: Hello? And you'll probably thinking, Jojo, you're probably speaking about those bad parents. I'm a good parent. No, I'm speaking about you. We pass on our traits to our kids. And without knowing it, sometimes it happens, and you wonder why your kids act a certain way because it's passed down spiritually. We are spiritual beings having a physical human experience. And you're probably thinking, what does that mean? Can I ask you a question? I'm going to ask it anyway because I've got a microphone. But the thing is this, love. Think of that word. Let's think about it, love. When, when Tammy looks at Wilfred, and Wilfred looks at Tammy, they just love each other. But sometimes they don't even have to touch each other. There's this whole vibe that's around us, this atmosphere. They, they know, they don't have to say a word, but they're filled with love. For one another hello how can you contain love you can't think about it and then we say to people that oh, I'm saying to you as Christians someone comes up to you and says well how can you how can you quantify how can you put God into I just know how can you believe that God is real how can you believe love is real Hello? Because even if I haven't been my wife the whole day, maybe I'm traveling overseas, I know my heart, she loves me. It's not this physical, it's not sexual. It's not about sex, it's beyond that. But the thing is this, we need to understand something, is that when we explain who God is, you can't contain the fact that you can't explain who God is. He just is. And then what happens is that you see the fruit or the evidence of God in our lives. When Johnny and Renee walked in, and I'm picking on you guys because you guys are, are fresh meat. <laughs> fresh, fresh, fresh. You're, you smell like palmy, palmy meat. Mm, some good meat down there. But the thing is that when I look at your lives, I think redemption. I think restoration. I think transformation. Because when you walked in here thinking, what is this all about? You guys are all strange, what are you guys doing? But then you walked out and walked back to Palmy, changed. But as it was nothing weird, That is what God was doing in your life. And the thing is that how can we see God? Through the evidence in their lives. A changed life tells me there's a God that wants to change us. Daddy, how are you? Are you hungry? Uh, Yes, you are, my friend. Uh, The beautiful thing about this, he prepares, uh, Lord bless this food. Uh he's gonna break his fast today. In Jesus' name, don't touch it yet. Move back, move back, move back. He moved this chair in like this. You know, when you start moving your chair in like this, you are hungry. Now, who's been to those parties and, you know, when you're going around the buffet and you realize someone's sitting at the table? (laughs) If you're that person, well done, you're wise. You are wise. There's some enemies that you invited. Pete, can you just grab that chair over there, bro, please? I know, you don't want to share, eh? (laughs) What's going on here? You've invited some people. (laughs) Oh, Pete, you can stand there. I'm going to bring you up soon. Okay, just stand right in that corner. There's a reason. You put yourself in that place. But there's four enemies. There's so many enemies I want to tackle, but there's four enemies I want us to tackle today, okay? When Henry was probably, I don't want to change his name to Tim, okay? Anyone here named Tim? If anyone's listening to this and your name is Tim, I am so sorry. I've already wrecked Sandy's reputation, now Tim. Okay, Tim, Tim's had a full life. He's had his ups and downs, he's got some great kids, he's seen them grow up. But no, Tim came from a background where, no, he, he didn't understand some of the things he would go through. And so a part of Tim's life was that his dad really didn't, dad didn't hug him. This is actually a true story for me because as I was sitting there, God reminded me of this picture. I was never, I never ever felt my dad hug me. Hands up if you felt like that. Cool. So as soon as that seed, that 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 seed of rejection comes as a seed. Okay. So a moment like that, a moment like that, where you felt like he doesn't want to hug me, so I feel rejected. And what comes in there is a, a, a spirit which is an orphan spirit, feels like, okay, my dad doesn't love me. The authority figure in my life that speaks life and destiny into me doesn't love me, so I'm going to find my love somewhere else. And so Tim might go and look for authority and destiny from another group, probably maybe a gang, because they speak, give me authority, they speak destiny into me, They give me identity. Those are three things that people always look for. Authority, identity, and destiny. That's what every young man longs for. Hello? That's why it's important. Men, if men do not feel respected, they get, what? (laughs) What? It changes. See, men's love language is respect. Respect. We just want to be respected. And if you feel like you're not being respected, you get all agitated. You get all frustrated. Just respect me, man. That's the attitude that comes out. All the wives go, oh, I give that guy respect all the time. What are, you talking about? what are you talking about, Pastor Joe? You don't know anything about this guy. <laughs> just calm down, man. This is church, man. Calm down. But you need to understand, and, and women just want to be treated like a queen. (laughs) Preach it, pastor! Preach it! Preach it louder! Posters everywhere! I am royalty! (laughs) But they just want to be loved. And what happens is that when a daughter doesn't find love in the figure of authority, they go looking for it in something else. And we've got to speak into this because many of our young, amazing royal princesses are getting lost in this tide where they feel desperate to find love in something which is not love. And they sell themselves, even if they're not on the street, but they sell themselves out because they're looking for love. That's why men, if you've got daughters, you need to speak over them that they are royalty. That they are princesses. And women, if you have boys, you need to speak to them. I do respect you. I'm listening to you. I can hear you. I hear what you say. Because this is the conversation I'm having with my boys now. They just want to be heard. Why? Because they want respect. And if you don't deal with it as a young man, way back here, you get the fruit of it right here. Are you with me? So, rejection is, is this whole thing where Tim never got hugged by dad. So, Tim grows up as a, I mean, the, the, the ages, when you actually reproductive ages, or as you grow older, the ages from zero to five are very important to establish um, belonging or what kind of final environment you're going to build in. Five upwards, it's a whole thing of support. Actually whānau, you know, actually supporting them. And actually that's where the values are established. When they get to teenage years, you need to establish also what they need to actually make wise decisions on friendships. Who your friends are hanging around in the intermediate age is important for their future. So you need to, as a parent, thinking, well, they just hang out with anyone. As long as they're not in my face or in my wallet, they're fine. <laughs> But the thing is that you need to, as a parent, God has given you children. If you've got children here, and those who are going to have children one day, you need to understand something, that God's given you children to steward well. So you need to actually apply the whole thing of parenting, which is to make sure they walk in a a wonderful path where they can find friendships that will help them grow. That's it. And then just watch them grow. And then be there when they want to bounce things off you. So Tim never got hugged by Dad. Tim grows up with this whole thing of orphan, an orphan spirit, rejected. No one, my dad didn't love me, so uh, no one loves me. And then he meets, meets a Wahine one day, which loves him, gives him wonderful kids. But the thing is that if Tim has not dealt with that issue in his heart, that pain, that pain, everyone say pain, pain, pain. that pain of rejection gets passed on. Pain is transferable. Why do you think our tangata whenua feel the way they feel? Because pain is transferable. Hello? It's passed down to generation and generation and generation if not dealt with. And you're thinking, how does it happen? It's spiritual. You can't explain it. It just happens. And then you look at your kids and you think, what's happening with my kids? Because if you haven't dealt with the pain, that gets transferred to them. That's why you've got to say, no more. No more. In my family line, we're going to redeem this. We're going to change this up. We're going to flip the script on it because my kids are not going to grow up like this. So Tim grows up in that environment. The reason why Tim is... Live like this is because around Tim's table, Tim. Oh, sorry, Tim. 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Two seconds. Peter, come up. Rob, because you're laughing at Peter, you come up here. (laughs) Come sit. Get up, get up, get up. Have a seat. What are you doing? So, Tim, Tim has his table of life. This is Tim's table of life. Every one of you have got a table of life. The problem is that who is sitting at your table? Because whoever's sitting at your table makes you the person you are. So when Tim was a young man and he didn't get, as one example, didn't get loved or hugged by his father. They put a rejection in his heart. That pain became generational. The thing is that in his heart, he, has, he fought the young version of himself who was rejected. So he carries around rejection everywhere he goes. And and, and sometimes, (laughs) I'm holding a can of corned beef. None of you are getting this at all. You basically have soup. But the thing is that with the rejection, it carries pain, but it brings back things that are not good for his life. So instead of eating what's in front of him, what the Lord has presented for him, he's eating this stuff. That's not good for him. If he ate corned beef his whole life, you become like this. (laughs) I'm running running from it. But the thing is that it's not good to survive on this. Who knows that? (laughs) You know firsthand. (laughs) Hold it up proud, brother. But the thing is that, so what happens is that he grows up this, he's serving Rejection is serving Tim his whole life. What's not good, bad for him? What's not good for him? And the thing is that when Tim, when Tim thinks about his father, this is key. Okay, this is key. When you're having a conversation with someone, I want you to listen to them. If they pause and get emotional about A word they say, there's a trigger point to their past. Words hold the emotion of a memory. For example, close your eyes. If you can think of the 95 World Cup, what kind of memory is that for you? Some of you are going, nothing, what is that? Nothing. <laughs> Some of you have started throwing chairs. That's all right, put the chairs down. But what a, what, it's another memory. I want you to think about the first time you've ever got together with your family and you're looking, you were looking forward to that moment. Hands up if you have a joyful. Emotion from that. Fantastic. Hands up if you have a disappointing emotion. Cool, hands up everywhere. Hands down, eyes open. Your words are attached to emotion which is attached to a memory. That's why your words, that's why the Bible is living and active, but every word is actually alive. It's a trigger point to your past. And if you don't deal with that, The thing is that that emotion will always be attached there. So when Henry thinks about his past, thinks about his dad, thinks about that memory, what he's going to think about is that moment in his life where he felt pain. And so what he consumes from that is this stuff, which is not good for him. It's not going to help him. Are we clear on that? Now, on this side here, one of the big things about rejection is that it comes with another emotion that attaches itself. Rejection has a nice, not a nice cousin, but it's an awful cousin, called fear. (laughs) Who knows that they can't live on sweets their whole life? Hands up. I think some, some of your hands didn't go up. I'm not sure what happened there. But the thing is that fear and rejection follows Henry, I mean Tim, for all his life. And so what he does is that because, he, because he's rejected from his past, he puts that fear on his children. So what happens is that when his children want to do things, he's very protected, or overprotective of them, because of the fear that they don't want. To, he doesn't want them to get hurt as well. If you if um, there's there's a whole thing about trauma being passed on. So if you've had a traumatic event, you actually pass that pain on to your children subconsciously, without you even knowing it. You actually pass it on. And so what happens is I find an example is that um, my dad. My dad used to do this thing. It was a, a real practical thing. I just sat there. Just pause for a minute. Don't breathe. But my dad used to do this thing with curtains. At about 4 p.m., 5 p.m., around that time, my dad used to go around the house closing all the curtains and closing the windows. Who, whose dad does that? Can't put his hand up. My son put his hand up. Why? Because his dad, the son of the father, does the same thing. Subconsciously, I've carried on the traits of my dad. And so it is—just think about it. I'm going to give you one minute. Just think about something that you do that maybe one of your parents does, and you think, I didn't realize that. And if you're wondering, Joe, I'm my own person. (laughs) I'm so, like, perfect— just, if you're married, ask your wife or your husband, and i go, trust me, mate, you do it as well, okay? <laughs> but if just take a minute right now just to think about something that you do that a parent does in your life. Who can think of something? Hands up, who can think of something? Who ever thought that you would... Um, in this room, just, 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 I wanted to ask you to put your hand up. But do some of you in this room, actually I will ask you to put your hand up. <laughs> do some of you in this room act a certain way that your parents, or your father or your mother acts in terms of how to deal with things? Hands up. <laughs> Rob, that's why you're there. <laughs> <coughs> So what happens is over time, if these things are not dealt with, who wants to find out how to deal with these things? Hands up. Because you don't, you don't want to live this way. We're we'll starting a series called Knock Knock in a month's time. We're actually going to go through a whole manual of actually dealing with, if you, if you know people that were raped or molested when they were young, how to deal with that trauma. Okay? It's a practical booklet we're going to go through. Because a lot of that stuff is, is actually traumatic, which opens a gateway or a door into your life. And if you don't close that door, that gets passed on to generations, okay? That's a big topic that's coming up, okay? That's a whole series we're going to do called Knock Knock, okay? Because we're going to ask, what's knocking at your door? Because we're going to shut the door on some of that stuff, amen? We've got to stop it, man, honestly. Because the thing is that if you don't realize that, that generations later, you look at the, your family line and you're thinking, why are there so many divorces in my family? Hello? I sat, Lynn and I have had the privilege of sitting down with people over the years and doing uh, counseling, and one of the biggest things we actually ask the, the families is actually look back in their family tree and uh, tell us if there's been any separation, divorce, or happy marriages. I wouldn't say happy, but marriages uh, stay together as a couple um, through, the, through the, obviously, their generation line. There's one particular family that divorce was right back to the great, great, great grandfather you can't think that's not spiritual because they're marrying other people who are not related obviously so obviously that thing there had to be dealt with and this family now are, really, are doing really well, this couple but the thing is that they had to decide in a moment of time to say no more that seed is taken and that's what today is all about, there are things sitting in the seat of your life that shouldn't be there. And you should have the authority to say, hey, fear, that seat is taken. And you should just say, rejection. No, My dad didn't hug me. But guess what? Rejection, you have no hold of me. That seat is taken. And the thing is that if we don't take authority over these things, that means you're going to pass them down. You're going to see the same thing in your children. And your grandchildren. And your great-grandchildren. You've got to deal with this stuff. Okay, number one. This is how we deal with it. Tim needs to recognize. Oh, Tim, you can have some food. Have some. Go, Tim. Enjoy. Number one is recognize. You need to recognize. Let him enjoy. Tim's had a. A tough time this morning. (laughs) So Tim, Tim, I'm going to help you here, okay? So when Jesus comes into your life, he prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. There's two stories here that we need to have a look at. The first story is the sheep and the shepherd. In old biblical times in the Middle East, the shepherd used to go to the tabletop. Uh, Is fear and rejection annoying you. annoying me too, bro. I know what it feels like. But the thing is that a shepherd used to go to a tabletop before the sheep could come up to actually feed on the grass up there. What he would do was go up and actually get rid of any predators up there. Look for any snakes, look for any wolves, and make sure it was all clear because he was preparing the table or tabletop for the sheep to come up and feast on Cool? Another picture on this side is the one of David who wrote the psalm was... Was a king, and in biblical times, if you looked out your window, you could see the king on the top of his obviously of his roof, celebrating with those who had invited around for tea, and they would they would say that the people you hung around, you became like. So all the neighbours would look outside their window and look at the king, and he would surround himself with the most known people in town. It's like being invited to the academy. I think the Academy Awards. Um, the the party that people want to be part of is a Beyonce and Jay-Z party. Do you know know that party? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you been? (laughs) But that's the party that, it is Academy Awards, that they put on, and everyone wants to be a part of that party. That's the same thing with David. Everyone wanted to be part of David's party, but it was invitation only. The question is that, who have you invited around you? It's not people. Remember, when you talk with people, it's not people we're dealing with, and the problem is not your partner or your husband or your wife. They're not the problem. It's the spirit activated in their life. For example, you know, Tim is married to Sandy. Tim is married to Sandy, and because Sandy Sandy has had her own issues from last week, Tim doesn't know how to deal with Sandy because he feels rejected. So he's very cut off emotionally. So he doesn't know how to deal with her. He loves her, but he doesn't know how to deal with her. The first time I ever expressed a hug, ever felt a hug, was in church. Someone came up to me and hugged me. And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, there's no space here. You know, church hugs is like suffocation. It's like, oh, man. And then later on, when I got my own healing for myself and actually started to release forgiveness for my dad and all that stuff, what happened and took place was that I started to reach out and hug people. Not like this. But obviously, I got started to embrace people, started to hold people. And this morning, I was thinking about that as the Lord was using Johnny to sing this morning. I just thought, man, come to the altar. You know, I was like, my arms are open wide. And that's the way the Father receives us open wide. He's like, going, come on, man. Don't let this hold you. prepared something for you. Just come. Come as you are. Just come. I just want to embrace you. And the thing is about, with us, is that we don't want to be feasting with the wrong crowd. So today's the day we need to acknowledge some stuff and get rid of some stuff. Who's ready? Number one, recognize. Recognize there's an issue. Tim has recognized that Tim probably lives his life, you know, he's thinking, no, um, what are you eating, rejection? (laughs) That's all right, you're accepted, you're accepted, you're accepted, okay, because that's the antidote for rejection, acceptance. So how do you get your acceptance with church family? Who felt welcomed when they walked in here and were hugged by someone that didn't even know, but they felt at home? Hands up. And who thought to themselves, why on earth are they hugging me? Hands up. <laughs> David, <laughs> put your hand down. <laughs> but recognize, you got to recognize. So Tim recognized that part of his trigger point of root in his life, because what are you seeing the fruit of this? The way that Tim, the reason why Tim acts all like protective and overbearing and controlling is because Tim hasn't dealt with the issue back and the day with his dad, all the way back here, it's a trigger point for him. So when Tim is talking, he talks like this, you know, When my dad, when my dad, now don't tell me there's not an issue. When you're talking to someone and they start going, oh. Your words are attached to emotion and a memory. He's back there. And so what you need to do is actually recognize. He needs to say, I recognize. Thank you. And then what you need to do is, number two, renounce. Renounce is repent and reject. So you need to repent and reject from that. For example, if rejection is the problem, that means Tim needs to renounce. Renounce is a a declaration saying that, and the declaration could sound like this. I recognize that my dad didn't know how to express love for me. And I recognize that today in my life, I'm not able to express my love for others because of that. Cool, straightforward, eh? Don't have to add anything else, like any spiritual words, like I've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus and all that stuff, okay? It's just simple. It's a conversation with your Heavenly Father and saying, God, I see it, I see it for myself. But the thing is that you need to recognize it. You can't have your husband or your wife or your friend come up to you or your best mate come up to you and go, hey, I recognize there's something in you. I go, I'll recognize you soon, okay? And I'll recognize you on the floor soon. But the, thing is that, but the thing is that you personally have to recognize it for yourself. You have to recognize it. So you can have your mates come around and go, hey, bro, you just got to, Think you drink too much, eh? But if they if Tim doesn't recognize that, just pretend that's Bruce. A beerage. Okay. Pretend that's a beerage. Okay. So if you want to open it, bro, straight in, straight in. But if he doesn't, see what, what's happening is if he's not developing the fruit of self control. That rejection is going to overwhelm him, and goes. I feel better here. I feel like me here. Hello. My dad didn't know how to 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 verbally say I love you, and I've said this before. He would always say good luck. That's all. That was his famous I love you. If you meet my dad, he always say to you good luck, because that's oh I love you. Okay, so that's his word. Um, for, because in Samoan culture, you, you don't really express it in that way. Okay, so I, I've kind of translated over the years as his good luck. He would say it to me all the time. Like, oh, Dad, you love me. I know you do. Okay, but so, but the thing is that my dad, because of his, and he wasn't able to deal with stuff in his life. Um, he had a best friend, and his best friend's name was Lion Red. And my dad used to spend every weekend with Lion Red and that's all my dad knew some of you are going what's Lion Red uh, it's alcohol it's a, it's a beer it's a brewski and my dad had this whole thing where that made him feel better about his life and I know my dad's on this journey in his own self and I know my dad will find full restoration and I think God's really doing some work in his life already but the thing is that it made him feel good The thing is that sometimes my dad would overdo it and then my dad's rejection would turn into fear, which invited a cousin called could anger. Because because my dad didn't know how to deal with the rejection, he got fearful about his family and his future and so he would try everything to make sure everything was under control. Because he didn't know how to deal with that frustration my dad's main thing was he, was he was frustrated that he couldn't do more. I know some men in this room feel frustrated because you can't do more. Because the, the world's identity of you is that you're supposed to be the provider. You've got to go and hunt and bring back. But then you, sometimes you sit at home thinking, am I doing enough? But that's where the grace of God is sufficient. That God's already said, you've done enough because I've done enough. And that's where the acceptance comes in. That's where the perfect love expels all fear. That's where acceptance, love comes in. And then instead of anger, grace is released. Because if you keep these things around your table, the output will be dangerous. There was a news article this week of Hannah who passed away with her three kids. That that man there, he suffered from this. He suffered from this. And if only someone got in there early and helped him to break some of this stuff, Hannah and the three kids would still be here. It's terrible. And there's men in our society and women in our society who live with this every day. But their face is like this. Everything's good. But then when there's no fruit of self-control, being able to do it, rejection kicks in. Fear. And you respond in anger. I know this firsthand because that's the way I grew up. But I praise God that he turned it around. Guess what? Today, with my boys, I still go through a sense of rejection. Hello? I'll just be honest with you this one. There's that, that creeps back in, always wants to tempt you to, to feel the same way. This whole thing of, of fear that creeps back in of am I doing enough? And that creeps in of frustration. Am I a good dad? Because don't tell me father's in this room, you don't think about that. Because you do. So if you're wondering what the frustration comes from, You work it out. So you need to understand, here's how we deal with it. Recognize, renounce. Here's some other things, three more things. Release. One of the biggest, biggest things we need to do is release it. Tim in his life, he's recognized, hey Tim. He's renounced it. Good on you Tim, well done bud. And he needs to release. What does he need to release? Forgiveness. Because the Father has forgiven us, we forgive those around us. And the biggest thing that people can't do today is forgive. And you know that because there's a grudge, there's a chip on their shoulder. And guess what? If you don't learn how to forgive, that's a generational curse. That's what the Bible says, gets passed down through generations. Then your kids will start thinking, I don't need to forgive them. Subconsciously, they're thinking, that's their thing, I don't need to forgive them. Then it passes on, passes on, So you need to understand, release forgiveness. So that can be easily done by saying, God, today, and ask the Holy Spirit who dwells in you to show you even names of people who have hurt you. Because the thing is that if you don't deal with it, they're going to be around your table for the rest of your life. And you carry, you live like this, but guess what? It gets uncomfortable after a while. Because you start to attract other things, other enemies to that table. And by the time you're finished, you've got nothing to eat for yourself. Everything's been consumed by the enemy. Release, release forgiveness. So even today, write a list of people that have hurt you. Even if it's your husband or your wife, write the name down. And you need to start saying, God, I pray you release them today. And I want to forgive them. I want to forgive them today. Sometimes you need to go and physically see them. That's your faith step. And if it's too hard for you to do that because they're overseas, or if they're um, passed away, and it's too hard for you to do that, what you need to do is, it's a spiritual thing, is activate it by saying, God, I release forgiveness over, so Tim's dad is Tom. Very unique family. So Tim needs to release forgiveness to Tom. And he needs to say, I forgive Tom for anything that he has done in my life. Not to show me acceptance and to treat me the way he did. I forgive him today. And then what you need to say is actually say, God, teach me to love him the way you do. And let God do that for you. Let God release that in you. Over time, as as you release, you've got to resist the the devil. Because the enemy will just remind you. Because even though. So when you're praying this, you renounce. Renounce. Can you hold that there, Tim? You recognize. He's recognized. He's renounced it. He's released forgiveness. And he's released forgiveness. He's been accepted. Thanks. Rejection. See you later. Yeah, see you later, rejection. See you later. Take your can of corned beef with you. No, no, we don't want that here. We don't want that. Take it, take it, take it. And then he feels, he feels the love of God in his life because he's released forgiveness. And then fear doesn't have to say, because perfect love expels all fear. So see you later, fear. Tricky fear. Always takes stuff from the table. Release forgiveness. But what happens over time is that something might happen, like an event, and fear might come creeping back in. But you know where you stand, and you stand up, stand up, Tim, stand up, Tim. You so you've got to say, No, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that seat's taken. That seat's taken. no, 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 So you need to release and resist because the enemy will come and, and try and rob you again. He'll try and remind you again, but are you really good enough? And he'll try to bring all this calamity against you. But what you need to do, what Tim needs to do, is rejoice. Because whoever the sun sets free, is free indeed. So over time, Joyne finds uh, Tim um, brings in, he finds a way to love. Phil, come on. So he replaces his table with some love. Lydia, maybe. And then he replaces his rejection with acceptance. Oh, what a gentleman! Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. You're right there, right there. But then he can enjoy his table of life. Why? Because he feels loved and accepted. And that seat is taken. Thanks, guys. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I really want to pray for us. Um, Johnny, do you want to get the team up there? I'm going to sing that song again. That Come to the altar. I want us to stand, because I don't want us to leave this place and not... It is a spiritual... I want us to stand to our feet, please, this morning. And the guys are going to play that song uh, that come to the altar. I forgot the name of the song, but... Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, we'll go with that name. I was going to rename it something else. But um, this is a spiritual thing we're talking about. So you can go home and think, oh, yeah, all good. Thanks for that, Joe. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. They entertained me for the morning. Now I can go watch UFC for the rest of the evening. But the thing is that you need to understand something. If you're not dealing with it today, it's going to rear his head tomorrow. And every time you look in the mirror, you're going to feel the things that are around that table again. Now, it's not going to get all spooky, but it's, it's a reality check for yourself to ask God, God, I think He's talking about me. I think there's some stuff I need to recognize in my life. If that's you this morning and you're thinking, some of the things you, you've touched on, Joe, is about me. There's some generational things I need to break off today. If that is you today and you're thinking, I need to deal with it, I want you just to come out of your seat. And this is why you're thinking I'm going to leave you in your seat. No, no, because that seat's taken. (laughs) I want you to come to the front and say, I acknowledge the fact I really need some help. Not from Joe, not from the person beside me, but from God. Because he's the only one that can help you break through some of the things. And sometimes you feel, I know sometimes right now some of you are thinking the whole rejection thing is coming But if I go up, am I the only person that's going to be up there? Who cares? You're the most courageous person in the room then. Because you recognize that there's some things, even small, just like that little shrapnel. I don't want it to affect my generations to come. Because when I'm dead and gone, at least my family can live in a place of peace. Because I've dealt with some stuff in my life. So if that's you this morning, and you want to just say, God, I acknowledge I don't want to deal with some stuff right now I want you just to come to the front just come to the front so that's how it's me I'm standing here because I'm one of them just come yeah just ask the person beside you can you just get through please yeah just come on up And no one's going to touch you. No one's going to pray for you. This is the time between you you and God. And we're going to sing that song again. And I want you just to fully get into it. And you just ask God, even a simple prayer is, God, I'm standing here because I recognize there's some things I need to cut off my life. I pray that you would help me today and tomorrow and the day after that. And if God gives you a name or names or faces or people that you need to release forgiveness to, just even do that under your breath start the release so let's go for it thanks Johnny are you hurting and broken
1: within overwhelmed by the weight of your sin Jesus is calling to wait, cause Jesus is calling, bring your sorrows and trade them for joy, from the ashes a new life was born.
0: Father, I just want to thank you this morning for your perfect love. And God, even right now, Lord God, as we stand here, I pray that you would help us recognize, Lord God, that we need to release people that have hurt us. Even now, Lord God, right back in our past, Lord God. Even generations gone, Lord God, there are things that our generations past have done that have made us stand in this point. I pray in Jesus' name that Lord will be able to recognize it, release it, and rejoice that you've done a good work in it. Lord, I pray today, Lord God, will be a turning point for those standing up front, those who are acknowledging the fact they need you to break through, Lord God. Lord, we want to pray, Lord God, that around our table we can surround ourselves knowing that we are accepted, that we are loved, and that your grace is sufficient. Us, Lord God, we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. We pray this in your precious name, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord God. I'm gonna sing that one song again. Just let God just do what He needs to do this morning.
1: Lord, na voz dos
0: table for us in the presence of our enemies, Lord God. And Lord, the second part of that scripture says us that our cups overflow. That you fill our cups with joy and it overflows, Lord God. I pray that our lives will be filled with joy, Lord, to overflowing. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you would turn it around, Lord God. Every situation, every circumstance. And Lord, we today we say this far, and no more we pray this in Jesus' mighty name and we all said Amen, Amen Amen let's give the Lord just a shout of praise and just um, just before um, you sit back down I know that um, for some of you in this room you do require prayer and you're thinking that actually uh, there's some stuff I really need to deal with I can't do it in this setting here just grab one of the leaders or Rob and myself and we can walk you through it and actually get you connected with people that can actually pray with you because the thing is that if you have decided today that this far no more you can't spend Monday worrying if you're going to be accepted by God or by those around you because some of you right now are feeling, oh, that was great. I feel inspired by the Holy Spirit. But guess what? The devil is going to lie to you tomorrow and tell you that that was all fake. He brings all the fake news. And he will tell you again tomorrow that that wasn't good enough. But guess what? It was because Jesus was at the center of it. So surround your table. Look at your table today and make sure you change it up. Amen. We have soup next door, so we're going to pray, okay? Father, we thank you for this fast this week. We thank you for your goodness, Lord God. and pray that you bless the food, the soup we receive, and also thank you for Johnny and Renee and the blessing they are, Lord. Bless them and their family, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless your family. There's some food up here as well. The table's been cleared so go for it and also some soup next door please stick around if you're new to the family I'd love to get to know you more but we'll see you next week have a blessed week